Welcome. I think you'll really enjoy today's program, which is part two of Exploring Evidence, evidence that helps us discover and live in life-giving truth. I'm Pam Christian, the host of this program known as Faith to Live By. I'm all about helping us truly live the Christian faith and experience all the authority and power Jesus intends us to demonstrate. But before I start today's message, I want to be sure you know I'm having a Christmas giveaway. You'll want to listen to the program through to the end to learn how to participate in our special giveaways to be awarded December 23rd. From November 4th through December 16th, you can enter to win. There will be two lucky winners of my newly revised third edition book, Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies, and five lucky winners of the new Abide Bible by Thomas Nelson. This is a special promotion you won't want to miss out on. Listen for ways you can be counted among those awarded a free gift. Now, back to today's topic. I'm sure you'll agree, in today's culture, more than any other time in our lives, people are earnestly seeking to know what is true. In this year of COVID-19, we have learned we have been lied to by vast majority of news sources. We have not been properly represented by those we've elected to govern us. We've learned of unimaginable scandals and outright criminal behavior by highly influential people. And I don't know about you, but it leaves me with increased skepticism in nearly every area of life. Today, more than ever, people are starved for the truth. But because they have accepted the claim that truth is relative, they have no sure footing, no confident path to discover truth. What should we believe in if truth is relative? How can your truth be correct and my understanding of truth be correct if the two truth claims conflict? In seeking truth, the first question we must answer is, what is truth? Is it relative or absolute? If it's relative, then everyone is free to choose for themselves what they want to be true, making the individual his own God. If truth is absolute, then we must accept the existence of our Creator as God and supreme over all. Basically, these two points of view are known as liberalism and conservatism. The anarchy and lawlessness we've seen this year are evidence of the liberal point of view where people are accountable only to themselves. The cry for law and order represent the conservative point of view where people are accountable to God. Now, I realize considering liberalism and conservatism from this point of view may be new to you, so hang with me. Let me give you some more information to help convince you. Today's program is devoted to exploring evidence for the miraculous. Now, why have I chosen this? Because I think the vast majority of us in America, especially this year, have come to realize we need God to miraculously intervene in our midst to help us live in life-giving truth and the many benefits truth provides. In preparation for today, I learned belief in miracles is pervasive. Nearly 8 in 10 Americans say they believe in miracles, and 19% are non-believers. More of those who say religion is an extremely important aspect of their daily life, about one quarter of adults, believe in miracles. Despite the widespread acceptance of miracles, the public thinks that authentic miracles are few and far between. Not all events proclaimed to be a miracle are miracles. And in fact, many Americans express skepticism about most so-called miracles. Nearly half of the public thinks that most of the events called miracles are explainable by science or modern medicine. About one-third think that most such events are real miracles, 
and 17% aren't sure. Where are you in these statistics? Do you believe miracles can be explained through natural events? Or do you believe miraculous events are actually supernatural? What you believe determines what you experience. In my book, Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies, I share how I came to a place in my life that caused me to question everything I had believed. I experienced a crisis of faith that put me on a determined journey to discover and live in life-giving truth. Many of us have come to such a crossroads in life this year. And while it's utterly shattering at the start, in the end, we possess a confident faith. And I'm certain every single one of us want to have a confident faith. My guest today, Timothy Mahoney, went through his own faith crisis, which actually placed him on a quest to discover truth. He joins me today and helps us explore evidence for the miraculous and how evidence of anything recorded in the Bible provides us with more proof that the Bible is the infallible, inspired, written word of God. The development of the Bible itself is nothing short of the miraculous. And whenever we discover evidence that supports the Bible, our faith in the contents of the Bible is fortified. Timothy Mahoney is the director of four feature films, Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle 1 and 2, and the award-winning films, Patterns of Evidence, The Moses Controversy, and Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus. Tim is the founder of Thinking Man Films, a Minneapolis, Minnesota-based international documentary and publishing company. Tim has spent nearly 20 years exploring some of the biggest questions of the Bible and what they mean for our world today. His insatiable curiosity led him on a journey across the globe, interviewing some of the world's leading Bible scholars, archaeologists, and historians to seek answers. What he's uncovered is an amazing pattern of evidence that matches the events recorded in the Bible. A native Minnesotan, Tim's hobbies include folk music and outdoor activities. Tim and his wife, Jill, have been married 40 years. They have four married children and eight grandchildren. Here's my interview with Tim. So welcome, Tim. I'm so glad you're here. It's great to be back on your program again. Thank you so much. I have been fascinated by your projects. You are a filmmaker, and what you produce is quality, stellar quality films, plus the level of research and archaeology and the digging you do to get to the facts is very, very convincing. So I wanted my audience to hear from you today on the topic of exploring the evidence specific to miracles. So with your film, The Red Sea Miracles, and I think there was two of those, right? Right. Uh, there's The Red Sea Miracle and then Red Sea Miracle 2. Okay. Those films really emphasize the miraculous. And I want you to help my listeners understand why that was of interest to you and how you go about providing evidence for miracles? Great question. And, um, you know, normally I get to ask questions because I'm interviewing uh, scholars. And so I, the way this film started for me literally over 20 years ago, when I had heard that people were searching the seafloor for the remains of Pharaoh's army from the parting of the sea when Pharaoh's army was destroyed. And so in 2002, I went into Egypt with a small film crew and I went around to different locations and I, uh, I was filming the journey to the sea. And then I was filming where the divers were diving and looking. And um, believe it or not, that film, you know, eventually became the very first film that we made, which was the film called Patterns of Evidence to Exodus. In the middle of making that film, uh, because of the criticism I had heard about the Bible, I ended up having a crisis of faith. 
Mm. In fact, I was sitting here where I am right now uh, when, when in this office, when all of that happened, uh, I was by myself on a Saturday and uh, I had a, a thought come into my mind uh, and maybe some of your listeners might have ever had this happen, but this thought was everything that your family has believed, that your mother has believed, that you believe about the Bible is false. Mm. And it pierced me. I just felt this hopelessness. It came over me. And at that moment, it's very interesting. I just happened to have uh, you know, in front of me the book that I had this thought that came to my mind, stop editing. After I heard that voice, uh, another voice said in my thoughts, stop editing, go to your office. And so we walked down the hall and came into this office and I had a bookcase here and it said, read that book. And it was somebody had given me a book earlier about Egyptology. And they said to me, I think you need to have this book. And I looked at it and that's interesting. Lots of nice pictures and everything. And I put it on my bookcase and I never really got into it. Well, that day I grabbed that book and opened it up. And I found that the thing that I was struggling to find, I found information about just like opening and leafing through this. And it was the story of Joseph. And Joseph is the, the one who, whose family then comes into Egypt because of a famine. And that began for me the journey. And then the Red Sea miracle was where I started. I mean, I didn't call it it at that time, but I finally was able to get into this question. And I said, are we going to deal with miracles? Because they're so controversial. Miracles are very controversial for a lot of people. I think lots of people want a miracle. A lot of people believe in miracles, but, you know, it, can you really prove that miracles you know, mm-hmm. happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I would reach out to different scholars. And there's a scholar by the name of Dr. Craig Keener. And Dr. Craig Keener has researched and has written a very compelling scientific investigation, two-volume set on miracles. And he's documented miracles around the world, thousands of them. And because I was asking the same question, well, can, can we have any, you know, is any of this proven? Is there any scientific evidence of this? So then if we go back to the, mir- the miracles that are seen in the Bible, those are eyewitness accounts right. of God acting in history. And so I started then from the documentary standpoint to saying, okay, what are the different places or viewpoints that people have? Because the text says that the Israelites lived in one particular place, and then they left there. And on their journey, they got trapped out of sea. So what the Red Sea Miracle films are doing is they're investigating those locations that people are suggesting. And Pamela, what I learned was that these people are somewhat divided into two main camps, I'm going to call. Mm -hmm. One of them is sort of looking towards near Egypt, and I call it the Egyptian view. And they're looking at shallow lakes that could be parted sort of in a natural way by wind, that God used wind to part shallow water. The other group I would call the Hebrew approach. They're looking more at the Hebrew language and at the words that are used for the descriptions of where this happened. And they're looking far from Egypt over at the Gulf of Aqaba, which is the right arm of the Red Sea. Okay. And so that then became this huge investigation of which we tried to figure out which direction would be more correct, which one's more accurate according to the biblical text. And you'll hear people of faith, people that are believers on both sides, you know, giving their reasons why they strongly believe that it happened one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, in the first film, you investigated the question of miracles concerning the population, the sheer numbers of the Israelites that the Bible talks about, and the travel distance. 
And in Red Sea Miracles 2, you've actually focused even more on the miraculous aspects of the journey, like the pillar of fire and the actual parting of the water. There are a couple ways, as you already mentioned, to look at this, but what have you found? Do you have enough evidence to say that it actually happened in a depth at the, what did you call it, Aquaba? The Gulf Aquaba, of Aquaba? Yeah. Well, if we start with the first miracle, I think that we see right on the trip is the pillar of fire. The question then is, is that, have you ever seen a pillar of fire in a sky or a pillar of cloud that leads people that actually, you know, it's moves. like, yeah, that it moves yeah. ahead of or covers people. You know, there's a understanding that this was the angel of the Lord. Some would might seem to say it's, it was the Lord himself that was covering them, protecting them and bringing them towards the mountain where they were to worship God. So you could, some people have explained that pillar as being a plume from a volcano and that the Israelites were heading towards a volcano. At the daytime, they would see the plume and at night they would see the fire and they were walking in the direction of where that volcano was. Some people said, well, maybe it wasn't that at all. Maybe it really was a cart that had burning tar. It was just a part of the narrative that, mm. they, that it was the Lord, but there was really just burning a signaling cart or something. But then there's the other approach that tends to be more on the Hebrew side that says, no, this is the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is God manifesting himself in a pillar. And so I could see that there's a tendency, especially in more scholars that aren't necessarily people that want to believe in miracles, to try to find a natural way to, right, explain. to explain it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Now, there are believers that try to find natural ways to explain it, too. And that's why when we get down to the sea, like when I talk to you about the fact that near Egypt, there are lakes there and they have reeds and they believe that it might be the sea of reeds, not the Red Sea. And that, I've seen that in my studies where you can read sea of reeds or Red Sea. I thought it was interchangeable, but what you're bringing out here is there's probably two different locations. Right. And in, in other words, a reedy sea could, or a reedy lake near Egypt is where one whole large group of people think this happened anywhere. It happened right there. It happened close to Egypt. And that that's been the traditional understanding as the last two to 300 years, let's say, that's more uh, one of the border lakes of Egypt. But there's this other group that says, no, there are many places in scripture that are pointing towards the Gulf of Aqaba as this mighty sea that was crossed. And so that's where I started 20 years ago when, when we started to, I heard that people were searching for the remains of Pharaoh's army. They were diving for chariot wheels. And, mm -hmm. and so we're looking for evidence of a miracle that happened 3,500 years ago, mm -hmm. which is pretty difficult to find. But in these interviews of people, if you watch the films, uh, you'll see that there's some people there that have the same kinds of questions that you and I have, and they're credible and they're diving. And I have a strong testimony that one man says, you know, I know what a chariot wheel looks like. I was at the Egyptian museum and what I touched and what I saw was a chariot wheel. Amazing. You know, you have a lot of people in your films. You really go, you spare no expense. You've got the Egyptologists, uh, Bible scholars, oceanographers, marine biologists, forensic and DNA scientists, and Exodus explorers like Ron Wyatt. Why did you include so many different types of people well, because I think that they all have a purpose. Many of them have investigated this and there's different points of view and a patterns of evidence film 
uh, one of the things that it has is it has multiple points of view. We always try to hear from the different sides. And what that has been helpful in is that it, it makes a film have more credibility. Credibility is exactly what I was thinking. Absolutely. You know, taking on the current perspectives of archaeology and the tradition is an awfully big task, a big undertaking. And I have to ask you, has your work changed the perspectives of any of the archaeologists or Egyptologists uh, in the mainstream? It's a great question. And to answer this question, what I was told by some people who work with scholars is that scholars, once they declare their position, they're trained not to change it. <laughs> yeah, the facts are kind of annoying once you've made your mind up, right? Right, right. And so uh, I've been always hoping to find, you know, someone who'd be willing to be open to other things. But I don't think that they were ever my um, my target to convince or anything. I'm really not making films to convince people. I'm making films that I'm searching for answers. You see, my job has always been to ask questions. And some of the answers that I've heard back haven't been as satisfying as I would have thought they would have been. So I wanted to ask these questions because to not believe the Bible, there's a tremendous consequence the Bible mm -hmm. tells us mm -hmm. if you're an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. uh, and all of eternity is at stake. Mm -hmm. And in this film, you know, the one thing I will tell you is I talked about Dr. Craig Keener, who wrote this book on miracles. Well, I include at the end of the film, a modern miracle that happened. And this there's the a twist. reason. This is the twist in the film, right? Right, right. Okay, please speak to that. Yes, uh, just so happened that I happened to learn that there is a young man, John Smith, they made a feature film of him in, his, in the movies called Breakthrough. Uh, he drowned out on some ice. He lived in St. Louis, uh, Missouri, and he was underwater for like 50 minutes. And his mother, who had been reading about miracles and doing a Bible study, just realized that she was brought into the hospital. She had to make a decision. Was she going to just cry and say, why, why, why? Or was she going to believe God to bring her son back to life? Mm -hmm. And she laid hands on her son and prayed, and he came back to life. Praise God. And I think about that, Pamela, because I think in my own life, there are times when I have stopped asking God for a miracle because I don't believe, I don't have the belief. The faith. And I felt that, mm -hmm. yes, I don't have the faith. And I felt like what this film was doing for me, making this film was, causing me to come to a new place where I could come back and say, you know what, I need to continue to believe that God can, even though many of us are afraid to ask because we're afraid the answer is going to be no. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I mean, it might be no, but just to give up and not ask anymore. And if my son or daughter would have been laying on that table, I would hope that I would have the faith to believe and to pray and ask God to bring him back to life. And Amen. she did. Amen. Now your films, and you've got several now, have taken years. Each one has taken years to come together. What inspires you to keep going, Tim? I think that um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that, uh, and I always have a hard time recalling exactly the way it's written, but for we are Christ's workmanship, and he's prepared good works for us to do before creation. And I think that there's a certain number of good works that, that were prepared for me to do. And I can tell you, when I look at these films, I feel as if I am a co-creator mm. uh, in them and that I look at it and how the interviews came about or different places that happened. And it felt like I was stumbling along, but the Lord was with me. And I think that even my staff has felt that the Lord has given them an endurance. And I think I would share that with your other uh, listeners here 
is that there are things that God has uniquely laid out for us to do. And what is our job is to, to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. And we have these really big projects. And what we've had to learn is, well, it just starts with the first step. And you better just sort of mm-hmm. start right here. Mm-hmm. And I've got constantly now big projects that, that I just have to say, boy, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'm just going to have to start with today. I'm just going to do a little bit here. Yeah, well, I want to ask you, what's next after these Red Sea Miracle films? Well, we've got a, a number of things that are going on. We're starting to distribute other people's films. Wow. So we've got a whole new series coming out called The Seven Churches of the Apocalypse, which is a nine-part series. And it's about the churches in the book of Revelation. It's going to be like Patterns of Evidence. It's an archaeological investigation into those locations. I just watched one of them just now, and I was so filled with, I guess, the soberness as well as what they were facing, what Paul was facing at Ephesus, you know, the things that he was doing there in light of where we are today and the stand that he made. And I think what these new films are going to do is they're not so much about pre-trib, post-trib, anything like that. It's really about the churches and what the churches are called to do and how you and I are going to need to hear what Christ is saying in our own lives mm-hmm. and how we're going to re- react during this time where things are really uncertain and there's stormy things happening all around. Absolutely. You know, you talk about your work being to restore your own hope and then now to inspire hope in others. Your work definitely does that. I can't say enough about all of the work that's come through Thinking Man's films. Would you please let my audience know where they can learn more about your films, view your films, and maybe even subscribe because you've got some great products. Right. We have actually, uh, you can become a thinker by going to patternsofevidence.com, patternsofevidence.com. And there you can sign up to become a thinker. And each week you'll get Bible encouraging, Bible affirming, a blog post. And we're going to be trying to do like you're doing in the future, have things like podcasts and more videos that are going to be coming online. We also have products there. We have a store. And so you can get our films. We've got different specials happening. We've got books and we're going deeper with the archaeology. So if you're interested in the Red Sea Miracle questions, we've got one book called The Lost Sea of the Exodus. We've got uh, a filmmaker's journey, which is sort of the behind the scenes making. We have a children's series too called Young Explorers for children that are are interested in historical biblical mm-hmm. archaeology. Kids who go on a venture with me to explore the Exodus. Mm-hmm. It's all great. I can't say enough, but I will have all of the information for learning more about what you offer. Contact your website, your blog. It will all be in the show notes. I definitely want to have you back, especially once you get a couple more projects available for us to explore. Thank you so much, Tim, for the work you do and for helping me and my audience on exploring the evidence. Well, thank you very much. Tim spoke of the two points of view concerning miracles. He called them the Egyptian or the naturalistic point of view and the Hebrew or supernaturalistic point of view. These actually represent the two pervasive views we have about God and religion today. The liberal and conservative perspectives, which lend themselves to either a socialistic or communist Marxist bent, or a free constitutional capitalistic preference. The liberal perspective can be traced back to the 18th century French and German periods of enlightenment. Simply stated, the liberal point of view elevates human reasoning over divine revelation and recognizes man, not God, as the highest authority. The French Revolutionary War emphasized government as the highest form of order. The Hebrew or conservative point of view recognizes God, not man, as the highest authority 
and seeks to elevate divine revelation over human reasoning. The American Revolution was fought from this perspective. With all we've experienced this year, to hear from Tim Mahoney about existing evidence in support of miracles recorded in the Bible is yet another welcome truth we need to stand on. Just as Timothy has worked hard to find evidence in support of the miracles recorded in the Bible, so should we work to uncover truth claims in our culture. This year, the war between good and evil has been evident as never before. We've just come through one of the most contentious presidential elections, perhaps in the history of our country, where the two opposing points of view were apparent. We have one side claiming we don't need God, we need a socialistic government, and the other side saying we do need God over government with constitutional freedom. One article I read that speaks to these two perspectives was titled, America was built on faith and religious freedom. I'll have a link for you in the show notes. I believe with all I am that America has experienced God's miraculous intervention, not unlike we read he worked on behalf of his people, the Israelites, in the Old Testament. Since the presidential election of 2016 to this day, we are experiencing God's miraculously working in our midst. Reverend Thomas Matthew, Dean of the Oral Roberts University Graduate Seminary, stated, quote, Miracles are a very important part of the Christian story. There is no Christian story if one does not believe in miracles. He said the birth of Jesus was a miracle. The resurrection was a miracle. The Christian story is a story of miracles. Thompson said miracles in the Old Testament, axe heads that float, the dead raised to life, the parting of the waters of the Red Sea, supply plenty of background upon which to build the story of Jesus. Why is belief in miracles increasing? He said the current generation of people in this postmodern world are more open to mystery and to miracles. They are not as rigid as in the Enlightenment. People like Oral Roberts and Charismatics have always believed in miracles. Our theme at ORU is expect a miracle. It's a belief that God is at work in the world, end quote. What Reverend Matthew didn't state is that salvation itself is a miracle. Every person who genuinely places their faith in Jesus, the Jesus of the Christian Bible, is miraculously transformed from their spiritually dead condition, making them enemies of God, to a supernaturally alive condition, reuniting them as children of God and joint heirs with Jesus. If you have never placed your faith in Jesus, or if you realize you have wandered away from the truth, I ask you, take a moment right now and express to God you want Jesus to be your Savior and also the Lord of your life because you see it's a package deal. You can't have Jesus as your Savior and remain Lord of your own life. When you genuinely confess your faith and desire to have God miraculously transform you by His grace because of what Jesus has already done for you, you'll be made into an entirely new creature that never existed before. You will also be given the gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to counsel and guide you into all truth. I hope today's program has helped you expand your understanding of truth, the blessing of God working miracles, and the importance of believing in the miracles to experience God's love and work among us. Next week, I'll continue with exploring evidence with emphasis on belief in the supernatural gifts the New Testament reveals all Christians should experience. If you are like many who don't seem to have discovered your spiritual gifts and place in God's plan, make sure you listen next week. Between now and then, please reach out to me. I really want to hear from you. Let me know if this program is a blessing to you or if there's a particular topic you'd like me to cover. Feel free to contact me knowing I'm asking you to. My contact detail is in the show notes. 
This program, Faith to Live By, is a division of Pamela Christian Ministries, LLC, a ministry that offers many different goods and services. I invite you to visit my main website, PamelaChristianMinistries.com. I ask you to support my ministry work by availing of the sponsors listed with the show notes or purchasing any of the books highlighted. By the way, I list all my show notes and bonus items on my website, faithtoliveby.com. On that landing page, there's a link and more information about my sponsors and partners. Instead of asking you to support my ministry by giving direct, I ask you to again to avail of the goods and services that you'll see listed in my show notes. Now, let me ask you, do you know about the Abide Bible? This Bible is designed to teach scripture engagement and habits that will help you better understand the power and the spiritual nourishment that comes from fully abiding in Christ. Whether you're a brand new Christian or a believer looking for new ways to refresh your time with God, you'll want to check this Bible out. As a matter of fact, on December 23rd, five lucky winners will be given a copy of this new Bible from Thomas Nelson as the grand prize winners of my Christmas giveaways. I will also forward two winners a signed copy of my newly revised book, Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies. Want to be among those eligible to win a free gift? Email me at faithtoliveby at Pamela Christian Ministries with the word Christmas in the subject line and your ground mail address provided in the body of the email. Only those who correctly email me will be eligible. Want a second chance to be a winner? Subscribe to my bi-monthly e-newsletter. Subscribers who join between November 1st and December 16th will be eligible for the special giveaways. Contest entries are accepted only through December 16th, with the gifts awarded December 23rd, 2020. Don't delay. Get your name in for the drawing today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people, and you are also helping to spread the gospel. Be sure to follow me on Facebook at Faith to Live By TV, on Twitter at plchristian.com, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. If you'd like to be one of my insiders, subscribe to my complimentary bi-monthly e-newsletter. I offer you your choice of a free gift in appreciation for your subscription. Don't forget, visit my page for this show at faithtoliveby.com to enjoy all the podcasts we've produced so far. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember, Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for him.